0: Welcome everyone today to Victoria and Friends. Seriously, you have been such a dear friend to me. And I'm so grateful that I can call you my friend. So Father, I just ask you to help our friends. I'm good. It's so lovely to be with you. (laughs) You don't have the face for radio. You have the face for television. (laughs) Today I'm talking to a friend of mine. You're amazing. Thank you
1: so much for having me, Victoria. And congratulations on your new show. Welcome to Victoria and Friends. Victoria's guest today is an internationally celebrated communication expert. Expert and author of the New York Times bestseller *Love and Respect*, Dr. Emerson Eggerich, and now here's Victoria Osteen.
0: I am so excited about my guest today. One of my favorite people, Dr. Emerson Eggerich. He is a psychologist. He's internationally known. He's a public speaker. He is uh, amazing when it comes to relationships and behavior between men and women and how to make it better. So I just want to welcome you today, Dr. Egridge. How are you?
1: Doing very well. Thank you, Victoria. And I've been looking forward to this uh, excited about it! Thank you for the invitation.
0: Well, I have had the privilege to not only be with you, you've spoken at the church, we've interviewed together before. I've I've had that privilege to interview you, and you are so smart and so wise in all of this. Your book, uh, one of your one of your books, but one of your really strong books is Love and Respect. And it's such a great book. And I just want to dive right in. I mean, we might as well, because there's so much information. Of course, we can't get to all of it today, but you can definitely get his book, Love and Respect. And I know right now you're doing a Love and Respect Challenge. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yes, it's the 15-day plan called the Love and Respect 15-day plan. So it will be available. It's free on our website loveandrespect.com and and uh, we've had about 65,000 people go through this 15-day plan and uh it's just a very straightforward simple thing that the individual can do not just saying hey you know you need to do this with me no just do it on your own and uh, it's been thrilling to see. So it's the Love and Respect 15-Day Plan. In fact, you and I are going to interact on a couple of those points today.
0: Yeah. I, you know what? I love that you said that because my next question was going to be, Dr. Egridge, was what if your spouse doesn't want to do this with you? You yes. know, what if they say, well, I don't, I don't have time to do the plan. I don't want to do the plan. I love that yes. you said, do the plan by yourself.
1: Exactly. And uh, typically, uh, God has hardwired wives to want to connect with their husbands. They're highly energized, highly motivated to do this together. This is huge. She wants her husband to pray with her. She wants to read the scripture. She, she wants to connect. This is a huge value and it's God's design, but he's designed men just a little bit differently. And over you know, several years of the marriage, he hears a message about joining this. And the message is, if you were as loving as I am, we'd probably have a, a happier marriage. And so what he does, he puts up his defenses, that he's thinking that there's really an, an underlying message here. And that is, really, if you'd kind of engage me with this, you'll see that I'm not wrong in some of the criticisms that I brought to the table. And she's not mean-spirited about that. She's actually very excited about that. So one of the things that we've said is, let's let's just do it individually, whether you're the husband on the other side, because there are some wives out there that are resisting. And there are many wives, though, who will say, my husband doesn't necessarily want to join me. I said, that's fine let's just do some things here and see if we might not motivate him in a new way. And uh, maybe there's some things that will happen here that will pleasantly surprise you.
0: I love that. I love that so much because I think that the more we learn about each other and about our likenesses and our differences, then we can motivate each other, you know, to really uh, respond. Better to one another, and you have a you have a great concept, and it's it's your pink and blue difference concept. So talk to us a little bit about that.
1: Well, it's a word picture, and uh, it's something that you know. It just came to me that you know we've talked about pink and blue, and the you know the gender reveal, you know the pink balloons and the blue balloons. But it's a word picture I used, and I didn't really realize how much traction that would get because there are some people that don't like that pink and blue. They they think it's stereotypic. They think it's going to be dismissive of the female, and I understand that, and I get that, and it can be, but I use it uh, from a biblical standpoint that God called us to be one uh, as husband and wife. The problem is sometimes we argue about which one, right? (laughs) I love that. Let's say that
0: one more time. Sometimes we argue about... Which one which we're going so we to or be or we gonna become? Are we going to become you or are we going to become me? <laughs>
1: That's right. God called us to be one, but we're arguing about which one. But he did call us to be one. And we we know that. And what's so beautiful in this word picture, when you put pink and, and blue together, it creates and blends together into a color purple, which we refer to as the color of royalty. The color of God, and quite often there are tensions in relationships because the Lord wants us to take that pink perspective and that blue perspective and find a purple solution that perhaps He intended two are better than one. But there is this uh, sparking, there is this this heated fellowship, <laughs> as I call it, and and people don't get to that purple conclusion because they end up doing some things accidentally, inadvertently. Pink reacts in a way that's normal for her, but in a man's world there are very few people that react to him that way and he reacts to her in a way that you know is very harsh and angry so it feels to her and she just deflates and so what happens is that we we react to each other during these heated moments in a way that we really don't intend to but we end up offending the other person, and, and and couples get really confused, Victoria. They just don't know how to get out of what I call the crazy cycle. And the cycle of negativity happens, and they know they both have basic goodwill. They both know they want to do God's will, and they believe God joined them together, and there's a bigger purpose than just their relationship. But they got derailed about eight years ago, and they don't know how to get back on track. And so there is this ongoing tension between pink and blue, rather than seeing that as God's gift there's this sense that I have as a woman, well, I know I'm right. I, I, I'm not trying to be right. I just know that I am right. And, and I'm not saying that I, I want him to be wrong. I just know that he is wrong. And the same thing, guy says, I'm not trying to be right. I just know that I am. And, and I'm not trying to throw her under the bus and say she's wrong, but she just is. Now, we may not articulate it that way, but that is the sentiment. And so we, we get confused because we know our hearts are in the right place. We're not trying to be cruel to the other person. Instead, we're trying to appeal to them to better understand what it is that we're saying. And, uh, but we're not getting through. It's like, uh, you know, if I speak perfect Spanish and you speak perfect German, and but we don't speak the other's language, what do we end up doing when we're trying to communicate with each other? We start speaking louder. Yeah, We think that if I increase the volume, that I'm going to somehow get through. And so my mission has been to help couples learn some vocabulary words, learn how to do this dance, how to come together as pink and blue, and actually experience the joy of that. That doesn't mean that there isn't going to be conflict. Sarah and I still have conflict. She chased me around the house once with my love and respect book saying, what would you say to a husband who is treating his wife the way you're treating me right now? You're in trouble. (laughs) Exactly.
0: <laughs> that is so beautiful. So you talk about um there's there was a study done on 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 I guess the difference in people in 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 the womb, you know, that there is a difference in male and female. And you know, like it's not that we're not equal, but we're different. Correct. Talk talk to me a little bit about that because you know, it's like especially in this culture. I mean, I think nobody wants to be less than you know, and everybody wants respect. And I I really feel like that a woman receives love as I'm, you can hear me, you can do what I say, that's how you show me love. And a man speaks, love is spoken to him as respect. If you, you should do what I say, because I'm right. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, right, right. You, you're like, you're saying we hear it differently, you yes. know? And so so talk a little bit about that.
1: Well, and that's an excellent point. I mean, There is the XXXY chromosome, and in, in the womb, there are chemicals that flood the female brain that result in her having that uh, nurturing. I mean, little girls have done studies in the womb, and then when she comes out, she's an infant, she's in the crib, and they wanna see the eye contact this little infant girl makes with the human faces around. It's almost 100% of the time. But how does she know even to look at the eyes? How does she even know to look at the human eyes and then they do the same thing with an infant boy and he looks at the human face until he sees the ceiling fan and he mm. starts looking at the ceiling fan and that's just an interesting illustration that there are these differences that exist but the idea of uh, this x x x y uh chromosome let, let's think of it this way we know women care women can't not care this uh nurturing love in the intimate relationships she can't not do that she's energized by doing that she gets exhausted but she loves to care right and so in the relationship she wants to help her husband she cares about him she loves him and she sees some things that you know as his helper suitable she wants to highlight she cares but the research points out that over time this begins to be heard as criticism and complaint criticism and complaint the university of washington studied 2000 couples for 20 years and they said they said we know it's not politically correct but these 2000 couples that they studied in laboratory settings this is criticism complaint she's criticizing she's complaining but i know she does that because she cares there are going to be bad days where she's upset but by and large she cares so then it that but he hears the criticism as contempt he hears the The criticism as contempt. So here's the question Is it care or is it contempt? It just depends on whether or not you videotape through pink or you videotape through blue. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah, sure. The very same set of words, she sees them motivated by care. He hears them as You're just using this conflict that we have to criticize me again, complain that I'm not good enough. I can never be good enough for you. And you're using this as an opportunity to send me a message that you don't respect who I am. Hmm. Now, the question is, um, hey, could both be right? Well, what happens if we favor the pink perspective, then he's wrong for He's narcissistic. He's egotistical. But I always say, if you've got sons, you know, you need to be a little sensitive there because he, he may have a vulnerability here that she doesn't have. Many women say, I I don't even know why he would think that I'm being disrespectful. Well, for one thing, no one talks to him the way you do when you're upset. And so it's very easy for him just to conclude that there's an undercurrent here of message that you really don't like who I am. You don't like me. You're not my friend. Somehow I feel you're my mother, but not my lover. Mm -hmm. And so he pulls back. In fact, this is the other side of the equation. This University of Washington found that 85% of those who stonewall and withdraw is the male. Hmm. And they also found out why. When men are in a conflict with their wives, their heartbeats go to 99 beats per minute. He looks stoic. He looks very cool, calm, collected. but he's actually in warrior mode. It's called Mm -hmm. warrior mode. It's either fight or flight. Well, he doesn't want to fight because that's his wife. So he just disengages. There's flight. She looks like she's out of control, (laughs) right? Her heartbeats are normal. It's an amazing thing because she has a clear aim. I want to connect. I just want to say, we're sorry that you apologize, that you know you, you hurt my feelings. And when you, you apologize, this hurt just leaves me. It just disappears. I just need you to acknowledge what you've done, that you're hearing what I'm saying, that you apologize, and, and we're good to go until tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> kind of a thing. <laughs> so they found, though, that these men, when they withdrew, they asked the women, what do you feel when he's withdrawing like that? And they said it feels like an act of hostility. Hmm. She could not imagine withdrawing over what she perceives to be a minor criticism. But I know, and most every man that I've researched will tell me that they are disengaging because we be like his best buddy. If they got in a heated moment with their best buddy, they disengage. They say, drop it, forget it. I'm, I'm out of here. We we disengage because we're lethal. When we get into that warrior mode, we can get this is not a good thing. So we have to disengage because the relationship is more important than the conflict, the topic. You're more important to me than this issue. I don't want to keep arguing about this issue because if we do, I, 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 I'm not going to have a rational discussion here. This I've got I've got to disengage. And that heartbeats, he knows. He may not be conscious of it, but he's got to calm, calm down. So here's the deal. Almost every man who disengages from his best buddy does it because it's the honorable thing to do. It's honorable. But what he's doing, she sees as hostile toward him. So it begs the question, is it an act of honor? Or is it an act of hostility? In the same way earlier, was it an act of care or was it an act of contempt? Well, the answer to that is yes. (laughs) It just depends on whether you look at it through a pink and blue. So I'll stop there. Does that make sense?
0: Yes. What I want to know is because it is a biological difference, is most of these things subconscious?
1: Sure. Is, is yes. it
0: just the way we we don't we don't make these choices? I'm not making this choice to feel this way about you. It's almost just like because of the way my brain works, that's just how I feel.
1: That's right. That's right. And it, the choice is that I've got to choose to be loving. If Sarah feels like I'm coming across in a hostile way, and that I'm wrongly thinking that she's coming at me with contempt, then it's not for me to say I'm not. Hateful and you're showing me contempt. That's a choice I make because at the end of the day, I've got to trust, does my wife have basic goodwill? And if she's feeling a certain way, then I need to make an adjustment. But back to the point you're making, it is instinctive. Our our default response Magnet, yeah. is you're going to seek to do the caring thing. You're not consciously thinking I want to show him contempt. There'll be times women say, Yeah, I don't like him, and I tell him, it. but her, her 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 heart is rooted in her nurturing caring. You know, instinct—it's just there, right? And men are motivated to serve and die for honor. We, the, men, die. Uh, Joel would die for you if someone came after you to bodily harm you. Joel would be dead before he let that man touch you. It's instinctive,
0: right? And and
1: he—he's he, a man of honor. He's th- this is in him, right? And so that default is there by instinct. But what happens, it manifests itself in a way the other person can be easily offended by. So you're caring, so you criticize and you complain, and I interpret that as contempt. But I've got to come to back to the point where I do, am I going to trust her heart? Yeah. Am I going to believe that she's got goodwill? Am I going to believe that we're allies, not enemies? And that's difficult for a man to interpret. You follow what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, so that's why it's so important that we understand these differences. That's correct. It's so important to get that baseline before you can really communicate as well to make that purple color, actually, to work together to be that one for for each other, you know? So I love that. So tell us just some ways, you know, that we can kind of figure this out. You know, I mean, we can figure it out because you just explained it, but how can we learn to communicate a little better? And
1: and let's back up then. And Jesus said in Matthew 19, 4, have you not read, he who made them from the beginning made them male and female. And so, what we kind of referenced earlier that I'm circling back to is we're equal, but we're not the same. Which is what you were saying before, that somehow we think that because we're equal, we should all process everything in in the same way. We don't. We're equal, but we're not the same. And that's a very important distinction that I make. It's kind of like people have light bulbs because we've concluded as a culture that because we're equal, therefore we are the same. Therefore, my husband should interpret our relationship in the same way that I do. And if he's not, he's abnormal. See how the logic works? And I'm saying, no, let's pull back from that. Not wrong, just different. Unless there's adultery, abandonment, Physical abuse. I mean, there's evil, but we're talking right. about the day in and day out, gray area issues. Should we spend this money or should we save it? Should we, should we, you know, go to the worship service on that hour or should we not go? Should we put our child in in, in Christian school or should we homeschool? These are the daily decisions that are these gray area issues based on personal preference. There is no thus saith the Lord, do this or that. Mm-hmm. And so how do we make those decisions? Well, when those Decisions come to the the forefront, we differ. And when we differ, how do we navigate that? And that's where this conflict begins to happen. But the biggest pink and blue difference I saw is in Ephesians, and this will help, I think, people. The the last verse in Ephesians 5 husbands are to love their wives, and wives are to respect their husbands. And we point out that we all need love and respect equally. Women need R E S P E C T, and men need L O V E. But based on the apostle here, I began to meditate on that because I had the privilege of studying the Bible 30 hours a week for nearly 20 years as a pastor. And I saw something in that verse. I thought, well, God commands me to love Sarah, and God commands Sarah to put on respect. not respecting my bad behavior, but respectfully confront my bad behavior. And that's the difference. I'm lovingly to address things. I'm not to love things that aren't lovable, you know, that I'm not, and she's not to respect things that are not respectable, but we respectfully and lovingly confront, we lovingly and respectfully confront those things. But I thought to myself, what happens when we don't do that? What happens? Mm -hmm. This is the illumination I had. Without love, a wife tends to react in a way that feels disrespectful to her husband. And when a husband feels disrespected, he ends up reacting in a way that feels unloving to his wife. She's not trying to be disrespectful. She's trying to send the message. I'm feeling insecure. I'm feeling a bit nervous here. I mean, Shanti Feldhahn has said, women are three conversations away from fearing they're going to hear him saying, I'm done with you. Mm. And so she needs that reassurance that he's all in all the time, right? Right. And so she is going to sometimes come at him with a negativity and upset, but it's all because she's needing reassurance. It's not her moment to send him a message, she doesn't respect him. So he interprets it through the respect grid. She's interpreting the love. Same thing when he feels disrespected, he ends up reacting in a way that feels unloving to her, like withdrawing and pulling back because it's the respectful thing to do, but she feels unloved. So it gave birth to what I call the crazy cycle. Without love, She reacts without respect, without respect. He reacts without love, without love. She reacts without respect. And this baby starts to spin ad nauseum. And if couples can say, you know what? That kind of captures what you just said in two minutes, kind of captures, because people said to me, 30 years of my marriage, then we can begin there with this pink and blue difference. This is a practical thing that we can begin to do. And I say, when you see the spirit of your wife deflate, she's probably feeling you said or did something that felt unloving. And because you're everything to her, she's going to react negatively and she's going to come at you. The question is, are you going to take up offense and say she's disrespectful and I'm sick and tired of this or trust her heart that she has a need that only you can meet and she's reacting this way because in her pink worldview, you should know why she's reacting this way. Right. You should be able to decode this. Follow what I'm saying on that point? Right. Mm-hmm. Same thing on the other side. When he feels disrespected, He's going to react as a man reacts. The question is, are you going to take up offense or is he basically saying, and he doesn't break down and cry. So we misread the man, but could your husband be a good-willed man who would die for you? But when it comes to the perception that you don't respect who he is and you're using the situation as another time to tell him he's not a good enough man, could he have such an incredible vulnerability here that he doesn't know how to navigate this Mm -hmm. other than just shutting down? it's too big to him and he's reading into it, but that would explain his behavior. His behavior isn't to be filtered through the grid that he's trying to send a message to you. He doesn't love you. He's trying to send you a message. I don't think you like who I am as a human being. I'll stop there.
0: Well, I I love that. Yeah. I think that's amazing. How, what we say, how we say it if I'm talking incessively to Joel <laughs> or telling him a story, sometimes if I see him gaze, oh, you know, a gaze like a glazed over eye, you know, and it's just start goes over his head. I have to realize, like, he is already disconnected from this story. Right. So I can't get mad at him. You know, I can't, you know, so I realize, OK, just stop. Stop talking, you know. And so I don't know. It's just funny how Women like details and men don't really care. We were talking about that earlier with a friend of mine. It's like women give too many, men don't give enough. But, you know, just understanding the differences and just stopping and pausing and not reacting so much, I guess, is what you teach.
1: You're very wise, but and, and but let's just step back there. There are a lot of women who then would conclude because he's not listening to me, he doesn't care. See, we escalate now to a character assassination that he's not listening. And maybe he doesn't care. Maybe he's committed adultery. I'm not going to defend every man out there. Sure. But we do know that men cannot collect as much information as women can when it comes to relational issues. There's a detail, just a schedule. I mean, God has hard left, right brain can collect a whole lot of stuff. There come these moments that he, he it's overload to him. And so the question on the table is is that, is he not listening because he doesn't care? Maybe. Or is it, this? this is where the male... A brain kicks in, he can't collect all of that. So maybe pause and say, you know, what are you hearing me say right now? Or kind of create the cliff notes a little bit. As Sarah says, I keep the cliff notes more for Emerson and I go into the juicies with my girlfriends. But if we say he needs to be like a woman, but I want him to be a full man and be strong for me, you're you're wanting him to be a perfect human being. And he's not a perfect human being. He can't be fully woman. Like your girlfriends and fully man. So then you're going to have to ask yourself, what can I live with here? And if you feel that, well, he's not listening to me, okay, then say, you're a man of honor, I think I flooded you with too much information. What was the last thing you heard? I want to come back at that again because it's unfair for me to be upset. I'm just dumping so much on you. You're an honorable man. Uh, I' I'm, I'm, and this is what the research points out, women give the report to build rapport. Women give the report to build rapport. And so she's reporting every day because that's how she connects with her husband. Men don't necessarily connect that way. We will connect doing shoulder-to-shoulder things, doing something frivolous, just having fun together without talking about uh, emotional stuff all the time. And so now, can you then come up with a creative way of approaching this? One thing is to simply say, I think I overwhelm you, but you're an honorable man, but I'm giving the report because... This causes me to feel connected to you and you have a strength that I need. I have a need that only you could meet. And when I'm talking to you this way, it's meeting my need rather than shaming him, which is where some women go. You don't listen to me. You don't love me. You don't care. Why do that? Instead, come back through what I call the respect talk, honor him and appeal to his strength and communicate that you need him. And most men will align right away with that. Right. Right. That makes sense.
0: Absolutely. You know, it's not manipulation how you talk to your husband. It's an art,
1: you know, it's motivation. I saw it's motivation. God hardwired us to naturally energize each other. Right. There is what we call reciprocity and the research reciprocity that if you scratch my back, I will scratch your back. I'm not scratching your back in order for you that, that we're not doing this as manipulation. But we're doing this because as husband and wife, God has designed certain things. If you do them, they simply will energize the other person and they want to come under that influence. Right. They just do. So it is not manipulation. It can be. But it's to your point. It energizes. It motivates people. If you use that language with Joel or if any wife listening to me uses that language, your husband, he will be energized.
0: Right. It's beneficial to your relationship if you learn and study how your husband reacts to things and it's worth it. It really is worth it. But I love the fact that in your book, you know, love and respect, you give all these beautiful examples and, and about how different, but how alike, but how to do this, you know, and how to respect your husband and how he in turn loves you. And I think that's so important. And I just, I think that women would benefit, you know, from really, Getting to a better understanding of the male species, uh, I, even if you're running a business, even if you're Huge. you're a you know your your, you know your boss, if you want to lead, even lead up is what I like to call it, you know if you maybe you're not the boss but you have great ideas and you got to learn how to present them, you got to learn you know how to how to get your you know your message across and and I think that that's just part of communication in life in yeah. general. But I think that's why it's so important uh, to, to know this. And that's why I love your work so much. And, and you, you've got such an uh, easy way to understand it, which is really, really great. It's not complicated. You have great analogies. You just lay them out and they're beautiful. And uh, I, if, you know, if you've never read Love and Respect or you don't know Dr. Eggridge's work, find out about it because it's really great. Give us that website one more time for that. It's loveandrespect.com.
1: Right, all spelled out: L-O-V-E-A-N-D-R-E-S-P-E-C-T dot com. <laughs> and on and on that point, on this energizing, we have the energizing cycle. His love motivates her respect. Her respect motivates his love. And probably every woman who's listening, who's never heard of the love and respect message, is asking this question: I don't even know what you're talking about when you talk about respecting your husband. I have no, I, I don't even. He tells me I'm disrespectful, but I can't can't even figure out how he would interpret that as disrespectful. This is one of those deep-seated hurts in the heart of many women because they're goodwill. They are caring, but he is saying, you're you're reacting to me in disrespectful ways. And maybe that's his issue, but maybe not. And in the Love and Respect book, I talk, how do you energize him with the respect side of this equation based on Ephesians 5.33? And there's six ways that uh, I unpack I I had the privilege of looking at everything in the Bible related to marriage for the Christ follower, not just any principle that might apply to marriage. What did the word of God say to husbands about marriage and to wives about marriage? And really love and respect is a systematic theology for lay people on what the Lord has revealed to us. And I saw six things that God reveals to a wife that she can do, that coming back to your point, that actually causes a man to be motivated. It isn't manipulation. And many guys said, if you treat me that way, manipulate me all day long. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Just as every woman knows, if he is soft, he He apologizes, I was harsh, you know my issues, my old man. I'm sorry again. I'm gonna to try to do this thing. you don't deserve. I'm so unloving at times. I'm just I got issues, and you don't deserve it. Oh, her heart just melts, right? I mean women respond with empathy mm-hmm. to that kind of humility, that kind of apology. It's it, once we understand how God has hardwired the other person, you know if he, she says, I think I've dishonored you. I've just, That was never my heart. And he knows you're a good woman. He knows you're not getting up early in the morning to storyboard ways to diss him. He right. knows that. But if you would just acknowledge the fact that you appeared that way, watch how his shoulders will just, thank you. I've had men just, tears in their eyes. Women say, thank you. Oh married 30 years, and she never said, forgive me for being disrespectful. She has said, forgive me for being unloving, but he doesn't think she's unloving. God made her loving. She loves to love. He thinks that's a setup to point out to him that he needs to be more loving. But he's all ears when she said, I dishonored you. I so
0: dishonored. Those principles that you talk about, about honor and about how a man, that's what he's made to, to do, just like they'll disconnect from other men's because it's an honorable thing to do. Correct. You know, those things, when you get those kind of set in your mind, there are those certain words like a woman could say, well, I did tell him I loved him. What? why do I have to tell him I respect him? Because it's what he needs.
1: Yes. Yes. Well, and also she sees he should feel respected because I'm loving on him. I do all these things for him. Well, so does his mother. Yeah. and so the point though, there's something deeper here. Right. There's something deeper, and so what we invite women and in, don't be afraid of this, and don't be don't move into shame. thinking, you oh, know I've blown it. I'm, I'm no stop that stop 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 stop. It's a new day. Sarah always says it's a new day, and men are very forgiving. Yeah. I mean, men know you're virtuous, you're loving, you love the Lord. They don't have a problem with you. They think you have a problem with them. Yeah, and once you say to him, "I have dishonored you." watch what happens given you're sincere and you're not doing this to somehow manipulate. Cause you can use this inappropriately. You know, women have said, I will test out your theory. Emerson. I said, this is not a theory. This is meeting <laughs> another person's need. You know, I'll, I'll test out this love thing with my wife to see if I get more sex. No, 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 no. That misses the whole point. You're meeting a person's basic need that God has hardwired with him. And when you do that in sincerity, generally speaking, the relationship just goes to a whole new level. There's no perfect relationship. There never will be. Paul says in 1 Corinthians seven twenty eight, if you marry, you have not sinned, but you will have trouble. And the verse, earlier on, verse four said, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And I realized that in the bedroom, both have equal authority. So it begs the question, who decides whether they're gonna be sexually intimate or not? And the answer is yes. And so that's part of the trouble (laughs) that Paul is saying. There's a natural trouble. Don't be afraid of it. There's no perfect relationship that's going to be without some degree of tension. But if you can roll with this, what I call the 80-20, 80% of the time the relationship can be fantastic. But 20% of the time, you're going to have an honest difference of opinion about whether you're going to be sexually intimate tonight or not. And that's okay you're not somehow outside of the will of god when that happens you're inside and so part of my challenge for people is don't be afraid of some of this tension mm-hmm. don't don't be afraid of it don't don't conclude that somehow we really got a serious serious problem in a relationship and if there's just a whole lot of tension over these personal preference issues in the gray area then relax a little bit it's okay it's okay and don't 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 but i go back to the wife who may be beating herself up he knows you're a good will person Just proceed with this, and you'll see him probably tear up.
0: I love the fact that, you know what, we have smart people like you to help us figure all this out. (laughs) And I love the fact that you have a biblical basis, you know, not only, you know, a doctrinal basis, but a biblical basis to set all this in motion. And I know, you know, people don't get married to get divorced. They don't get married to— have differences. They get married because they want it to be a forever thing. They want to feel the same love and bliss that they did when they said, I do. So that's why it's so important that we reread we books like Love and Respect and, and get this in our heart. And so I think you've helped so many people today, Dr. Egridge. I just, I love talking to you and I appreciate you spending this time with us today. And I know that many people are going to uh, enjoy listening to this and they're going to get your book, and they're going to take it to heart, because I know that's what you want. I know that you you do this. You've labored all these years so that people would have good marriages. So you and Sarah have been married how long?
1: It's going to be 50 years coming up.
0: Okay, let me just ask years. you a question. Does she like to hear that? You know, there's a point where you brag about how long you've been married. Then there's a point where you go, oh, my goodness, we've been married that long <laughs>
1: Yes, no, and that's a good point. But she looks so young. We yes, were just, she does. We were just traveling, and and the uh, Delta staff and people behind the counter could not believe they they did not. They in fact, you're lying to us because she looks so young, that, and that we've been married. That they, they they weren't accepted, so they had to see our license. <laughs> Well, that's a good,
0: that's okay. We can deal with that. (laughs) That's like card me, right? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, we tell Sarah, we said hello. We love you guys so much. And it's Dr. Egridge, love and respect. And I appreciate you being with me and giving me your time today.
1: Thank you, Victoria. Thanks for listening to Victoria and Friends, produced in partnership with SiriusXM. If you like what you've heard, please leave a review and let us know what you think. And if you've not done so already, subscribe so you'll never miss a new episode. Thanks for listening to Victoria and Friends.